Welcome back to the world musical antiquity. I am your host Derek Wong, and I am so glad that you are here today. We'll be updating weekly to bring you musical entertainment and historical trivia that can probably help you the next time you play Trivial Pursuit, among other things, of course. If you are new here, be sure to add us to your podcast list so that you won't miss an episode. In today's special edition of the Musical Antiquity, we'll be talking about the origins of the model minority myth and how it impacts Americans today. As today's episode is a bonus episode, there will not be a musical segment, but we will quickly highlight notable music releases. Be sure to stick around to learn more. Quarantining can really mess with our day-to-day lives, but it doesn't have to be this way. Recently, I watched a CGP Grey video called "Lockdown Productivity: Spaceship You." This is in no way a sponsorship. I just am a big fan of his videos, but I do recommend checking it out. Grey essentially equates our individual spaces as spaceships, and in order to keep it running, meaning maintaining our physical and mental health. We must delegate our spaces for specific tasks to return to Earth better than we were. It's a wonderful metaphor for the current state of things and offers pretty good advice. I hope everyone is staying safe and sane during these tumultuous times. Texas, also known as where I live. Saw its stay-at-home orders expiring on May 1st. Now it may be good news for some businesses, but I know I'm staying at home because I have literally nowhere else to go. I'm stuck at home doing distance learning, and everything's basically online now. Even AP testing's online. What a bizarre world we live in. It's time for quick musical rundown. This past Friday, we saw many music releases, including some high-profile collaborations. The two songs that got the most buzz were "Savage" by Megan Thee Stallion, a song remix by Beyonce herself, and "Say So" by Doja Cat, a song aided by Nicki Minaj. Both songs feature a very famous artist joining forces with an up-and-coming rapper, and these songs radiate female power. I won't go too into detail about the songs, other than they are great and serve their purposes of boosting the original artist's popularity. I honestly prefer their originals over their remix versions, which is usually a bad sign that the song is unnecessary other than the chart boost. But I do say they are fine songs. Other notable releases of the weekend: Drake released his mixtape, Dark Lane demo tapes. Which easily shot to number one on Apple Music, iTunes, and Spotify, but time will tell of its longevity. He's currently battling for number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with the closest competitor, "Here and Now" by Kenny Chesney, which is a bad sign for a Drake album because he usually generates a lot of streams. We'll see what happens next week when the charts update on Sunday. 
The lead single from the mixtape, Tusi Slide, debuted at number one on the Hot 100 Songs chart, but it slipped to the runner-up slot the following week because of the weekend's massive hit, Blinding Lights. Elsewhere, Marshmallow and Halsey released their new track, Be Kind, which was my personal favorite release of the week. Lastly, Camila Cabello released a remix of her latest single, My Oh My, except this time it features another rapper, Gunna, in addition to the original feature, The Baby. Personally, this remix is definitely not needed, and I see no purpose of this remix other than just for fun or for popularity gains. The track has been stalling at its peak of number 12 on the Hot 100, so maybe Cabello's team is trying for that last push into the top 10, especially since it hit number 1 on pop radio on Sunday. And that, ladies and gentlemen, has been Quick Musical Rundown with Derek Wong. On to today's special topic, the model minority myth in America. Beware, the following content deals with a very sensitive topic that may feel deeply personal to some people, so listeners discretion advised. Before we start, we should define what the model minority myth is. I sat down virtually in front of a computer screen with Dr. Priscilla Louis, a professor at Southern Methodist University and interviewed her via email five months ago about the concept of a model minority and what makes it a myth. Dr. Louis described the model minority myth as the idea that Asian Americans are academically successful, enjoy prosperity, and suffer limited to no physical, behavioral, and mental health problems. In layman terms, the model minority myth assumes that Asian Americans live a well-to-do life and experience limited hardships. It's believed that one of the first instances mentioning the phrase model minority was in 1966 in a New York Times article titled Success Story, Japanese American Style, that detailed the work ethic and family values that Japanese Americans share that makes them so successful. The term later included Chinese Americans, Indian Americans, and many other ethnic groups from Asia, all under one umbrella term. Because it is, quote, a positive stereotype, Asian Americans had trouble garnering support to combat it, and the ideas persist to this day. Dr. Louis suggests darker origins of the model minority myth. In the interview, she mentions that the model minority myth was created by a privileged group that characterizes Asian Americans as a model minority as a way to further suppress African or Black Americans, hinting that America hasn't fully gotten rid of their sentiments against African Americans, and that this bias affects everyone, not only Asian Americans, despite the supposed positive connotations of the stereotype. Main takeaway, however, is that the model minority myth harms more people than it helps, and Asian Americans today are feeling the pinch. Students of Asian descent today are automatically assigned the labels of nerd or bookworm. Not that the words are bad as some other racial slurs, but they are equally damaging. While it is true that Asian Americans spend more on average on education, that is because they are trying to climb the social ladder that disadvantaged them in the first place. 
Asian Americans have long been subjected to cruel or unfair treatment, such as the Chinese Exclusion Act in the late 1800s or Japanese internment during World War II. Not to mention the continuous immigration quotas that limit immigrants of Asian descent from moving to America, and those people just want to come to America in hope of creating a better life. Education has long been the escape route of Asian Americans from discrimination and belittlement. But it seems that they continue to suffer from the stereotype. People will find it weird for Asian Americans to excel in fields like sports, the entertainment industry, journalism, and other fields. We are all humans with different interests, so it seems absurd to categorize one group of people into one box of stereotype neatly. There are many consequences of this stereotype. For one. Because Asian Americans are expected to achieve this insanely high standard of success, those who don't are scrutinized and judged harshly, and won't be offered the same jobs and opportunities, even if they are highly qualified in their respective fields. In addition, some groups of Asian descent, such as Vietnamese Americans, Cambodian Americans, and other Southeast Asian subgroups, has long been disadvantaged. Yet they are put on the same pedestal as the other more successful subgroups. As Dr. Louis describes it, Asian Americans are not considered individuals. Hence, within group differences are often overlooked and ignored. Highly skilled Asian Americans are being turned down for amazing opportunities and positions because Asian Americans are being pitted against each other, not with their white or black counterparts. Lastly, perhaps most importantly, are the impacts of the model minority myth on the mental health of Asian Americans. For Asian American students, that means that they are constantly expected to get good grades and do well on academic subjects. A human child should be expected to branch off and discover other interests, but the high-pressure environment that they live in reinforces the necessity to focus on academics. The negative reinforcement loops over and over. And when a student doesn't reach a certain level of success, they feel like a failure or not worthy enough. If they try to assimilate with other groups of people, they are likely to lose their cultural heritage as well as encountering a different stereotype known as the perpetual foreigner stereotype, which, as described by Zara Greenbaum of the American Psychological Association, casts Asian Americans as fundamentally foreign individuals who will never fully assimilate into American society. This lack of empowerment further damages the reputation of Asian Americans, as they would then be seen as passive and acquiescent, and treated as equally detrimental or possibly worse than if they hadn't bothered assimilating with the American society in the first place. All these instances can harm their mental health and cause them to be emotionally distant to even close friends and family members. So, off that somewhat depressing note. What can you do to prevent this stereotype? The best way would be to garner attention. Speak out about this, not only to combat the mono-minority stereotype, but all stereotypes in general. Write articles, blog posts, essays. Tell your friends, family, teachers, neighbors, anyone you can think of. If we want to live in a world that values equality and kindness, if we want to live in a country that values hard work and equal opportunity. If we want to live in a community that lifts people up rather than bringing them down, then we must speak out. There are many people silently going about their day, hurting and impacted by stereotyping. We may not be able to eliminate all stereotyping nor the negative effects of them, 
but we can make the world a kinder place by speaking up, and that starts from all of us. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I know it may be a somewhat heavy one, but I really hope that you can take something away from this. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow us. We also have an Instagram account now where we will be posting updates on episodes and more. This has been Derek Wong with The Musical Antiquity, signing off, and as John Green always says, don't forget to be awesome.